Our Father, we're thankful that you've gathered us today and uh, that your grace is reigning supreme and that we can rest in the peace that we have, uh, the peace that's of you and uh, that's uh, with you. And uh, what a blessing to know our Lord Jesus, who has uh, set aside a death as an enemy once and for all. Uh, for us who have believed. Thank you, Father, for gathering us in the sound of your word this morning with uh, the word of the living God open before us. Uh, may it be a great blessing. May you comfort us, Father, as we consider this election and its consequences and some of those consequences yet undefined. And uh, it seems that there's more and more that's undefined and the more and more challenges uh, that are set before us as a result. Father, there's such polarization, and uh, I pray, Father, that we would all, who know you, would, would rest in uh, your grace and your uh, free gift of a hope that's enduring, a hope that's eternal, even through hard times. And certainly there may be some of those ahead perhaps more than we have ever anticipated. So, Father, I pray that you would encourage us all, whatever the consequence is in this coming week and weeks, if it should go on further. Father, I, I pray for those that stand firm for the truth of, uh, of uh, in this case, the political uh, foundation upon which our country has been founded, which has, uh, in certain ways, protected at least outwardly the, uh, the limitations that many would impose upon us and as they would seek to destroy our liberties. So, Father, I pray that you would bless us uh, here as we're uh, gathered today and consider these issues of great magnitude. There are so many things we can imagine that might happen this coming week, Father. But you have the plan already worked out. We're so thankful of that. I pray for our present, Father, and those that serve with him. Our country's in peril, really, during these transition times. And I pray for him. He's been threatened personally by one of the leading uh, terrorists in the world, the leader of Iran, of the nation of Iran. I pray, Father, that you'd uh, protect him and all those that dare to serve honorably. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would give them great wisdom in how to guide and lead our nation in this troubled time. Pray for our Congress, Father, and the court system that are all involved in this time in one way or another. And pray for those that are bold enough to stand forth. And if, if, if many are not yet in that position, Father, I pray that they would by Wednesday be enabled to stand forth boldly, whatever the uh, presumed consequence of that might be to them personally. Father, I pray for protection for all of us against this onslaught of this virus that's still taking its toll in the lives of many, even in the lives of some 
of the extended families represented here, one of which I just heard of this morning with having lost one of his relatives to this virus several days ago. So, Father, I, I just, just pray that you'd sustain us all, protect us all, uh, and for some who are especially vulnerable, that you would work to bring blessing to them. So, Father, there are many needs on our hearts, and we are all so concerned about what will happen these next weeks. I pray that you'd quiet our hearts, Father, and, and may we continue to rest upon the only sure foundation, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. We know you are in charge, as always uh, you remind us. And uh, may your word be a blessing to us today as we open it together in Christ's name. And amen. Okay, let's uh, let's begin. Uh, we have such a great lesson set out before us here. I feel compromised in my abilities to share it. It was supposed to be three times as long, and I, I cut it down to half as long, and then I cut it down to one third as <laughs> long, and it's still going to take all of the time and more. So, um, <clears throat> I think the way I've planned it out, there's going to be three parts to this. We're in part one of how rightly dividing the word of truth demands <laughs> demands that we follow Paul. Demands that we follow Paul. There are so few these days who are willing to follow Paul boldly, and so many that want to follow Christ, uh, really as he's revealed uh, himself in the uh, the Gospels, uh, as he's revealed himself and the working of Almighty God through him, right? Uh, as is revealed in the Gospels. And turning to Paul for a greater understanding is, it seems, less and less uh, what believers want to do. And that's so, so very sad. Okay, so um, let's do a little quick review, though. First of all, uh, last time uh, we looked at uh, how rightly dividing the word of truth was Timothy's glorious purpose and privilege, as Paul exhorted him there in uh, that chapter 2 section that we looked at uh, <clears throat> very closely, right? And the reason for the challenge that Paul gave to Timothy was that false teachers were abounding and, you know, that, and they would abound even more and more. And so he said to Timothy uh, in strong, strong words uh, and charged him and uh, gave Timothy a charge that he should charge others, <laughs> namely the false teachers, that they would be silenced, that they would no longer... Uh, bring chaos into uh, the church there in Ephesus. And in fact, um, <laughs> a catastrophe, <laughs> catastrophe, translated here by that word subvert in chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, and then he, in verse 15, he uh, finishes that part of the exhortation with these words, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, 
So that's uh, where we left it, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, what we pointed out last time <clears throat> and have done so many times before over the years here on Sunday morning is how rightly dividing the word reveals uh, what God is doing today under grace. It's grace, grace, and more grace. That's how God is working today. That's why this dispensation is called the dispensation of the grace of God. And Paul is set forth by Christ to be the administrator of the dispensation of the grace of God. Who was the administrator of the dispensation of the law? You will remember there was someone who was the administrator. That was a man a meek man named Moses. And those that did not respect Moses suffered consequences, didn't they? And they were severe consequences indeed. In fact, for many of them, they suffered the consequence of stoning because they refused the word that God gave through Moses. And that word was the law, right? Okay, so Paul is the administrator of the dispensation of the grace of God. He's not a member of the 12 apostles. He's not the missing 12th who took the place then of uh, Judas, finally. There was one chosen for that. It wasn't Paul, right? So Paul is not a member of the 12, and for good reason. He has a different ministry. Than the twelve, the twelve were to carry on after Christ uh, had uh, been ascended into heaven and to proclaim the coming kingdom. Right? Paul is not proclaiming the coming kingdom. That is not his message. His message is how God works under this dispensation, and then how He will end it before the great tribulation begins then finally there will be a kingdom established on this earth, and that's uh, uh, in the future, right? So law and grace are not uh, mixed uh, in Paul's teaching. In fact, separated very clearly, and uh, Paul gives us great teaching concerning that. Uh, in Romans 11, he wrote this, um, if by grace, he's talking about the election, the election of grace, right? The election of grace. If by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So those that do not rightly divide or cut straightly the word don't end up with truth, but end up mixing law and grace in some fashion. Each is destroyed in the process. Law cannot be mixed with grace. Grace cannot be mixed with law without cutting at the root of each. Okay? That doesn't mean there hasn't been grace displayed under the law. There has been, right? And mercy too, much, right? And we see that in, in many ways, uh, even today. The nation of Israel still exists. The people of that heritage, uh, the Jews, do exist. 
They have not been destroyed, though. Their years have been filled with uh, trial and uh, suffering in many cases. But God still has a future for them. But he's been merciful, and there's been grace displayed. There is always a grace displayed uh, to a degree. But today, God is working the abundance of his grace. And the law short-circuits that, as we have been learning in studying Paul's letters, right? Okay, so the issue is uh, the truth of God. If we rightly divide the word, then we will have the truth, is what Paul tells Timothy. Um, Okay, let's leave that behind just with a final comment. And that's that Paul tells Timothy that he shouldn't be ashamed uh, and, uh, of the message or it, his, its minister, namely Paul, even though Paul is about to be martyred. Timothy will have to go on alone without his mentor, without his father in the faith. Uh, his nature was timid anyway, so Paul is writing this letter in order to uh, encourage him in such a way that he will be bold for the faith, never ashamed of it, knowing that as the word is rightly divided, uh, he will be approved unto God. There is no uh, disapproval there uh, that could ever occur. Those who properly divide the word will have the truth of God and will be approved. Uh, That's the statement that Paul makes to Timothy. The other side of the coin is, I think, clear for those that do not. Okay, let's go on now today. Right division of the word of truth demands that we follow Paul. Okay, first part of a three-part series. Uh, Today, we're going to begin and we're going to see how the true doctrines of grace and not law is where we always have to start. You can't you can't sort of leave that for later. It needs to be at the beginning. In fact, Paul says it's foundational. It is foundational. So the doctrine is foundational. You can build a building on top of a foundation, and the building will be built either properly or not, but without a proper foundation, it cannot stand. The proper foundation is the true doctrine of grace. Okay, secondly, enduring the enemy's opposition means suffering as Paul did. Okay, so those that rightly divide the word are going to suffer persecution as Paul did. Why? Because the enemy will do everything within his power to destroy the truth of God. If we're bearing that, we will suffer persecution. That's the second point. Thirdly, bearing fruit as God enables is our glorious opportunity. (laughs) Okay, throughout all this, uh, trials, tribulations, everything that comes upon us as we boldly proclaim the truth of God and the word rightly divided, throughout all of that, we have a glorious opportunity and it is to bear fruit as God enables. Okay, so those are the three points today. 
I'm going to take you today to some of the scriptures that have, for me, transformed everything for 50 years, and I trust that they would do the same for you. Um, hopefully have been for some time. And may God bless our readings. In fact, it's mostly readings today. Uh, what I will have to add will be somewhat minimal. But the power of the word that we will share is transforming indeed. Okay, And I think it's appropriate, considering the times that we're living in, which may seem so dark, but to realize that we are, we are the lights. <laughs> uh, it does make a tremendous difference. And it did, I think, for Timothy, as Paul uh, wrote these words to him, and then as he continued to remember the words that had been written down through the rest of Timothy's uh, ministry. I think short, because I don't think he lived more than a few years after Paul's uh, martyrdom. Okay, let's begin with a great verse to start with. And we've looked at this before, but I think it's the right place to start today. So, Tom, would you please read for us in First Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Okay, so um, Paul, of course, as he often does, and as he's certainly going to do in nearly every verse we look at today, he's going to talk about how Christ um, was merciful and gracious towards him and gave him an empowering uh, to, uh, to share the truth that he was taught from heaven's glory. Paul didn't go out and sit at the feet of uh, the apostles in Jerusalem in order to learn all about Christ's earthly teaching. Uh, he could have done that, right, if they would have allowed it. I think they would have been running in fear, but uh, but that's not what he did. And But he was taught by the Lord Jesus Christ directly from heaven. And we have evidence that that teaching ministry of Christ to Paul occurred uh, many times. Okay, Paul writes about it in the book of Acts. All right, so um, that's a great starting point. Here that we find that word, I've mentioned it before, translated pattern here, pattern. <laughs> the Greek word is the word type uh, with a prefix of hyper, <laughs> a hyper type. Um, Paul is the archetype. In other words, he is the archetype of what? Well, it says here of the long-suffering uh, that Christ Jesus uh, brought forth in Paul powerfully, right? That uh, Paul could be an effective witness, an effective testimony for the grace of Christ in our fallen world. And that's exactly what Paul did, right? Okay, so let's uh, begin then. First main point is we must begin <laughs> in the right place with the true doctrines of grace, and they must be our foundation. Okay, so Paul exhorts uh, Timothy to 
uh, get in this proper line of those that would uh, follow Paul, right? Paul was the archetype. He went first and then others were to follow. And Timothy is next in line. All right. Um, now, what we're going to see is that there are a lot of very practical exhortations uh, that Paul gives to Timothy and then also to others. We're going to look into the Corinthian letters mostly today. But I want to start in uh, three verses in uh, chapter three of Second Timothy and uh, ask Lisa to read those three verses, verses 10 through 12, where Paul puts it all sort of just in one breath, as it were, right? Lisa, would you read that for us, please? Yes. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Thanks, Lisa. Well, I'll, I'll go on and read some more verses uh, along the same line, but notice that this mentions doctrine first. Okay? The building is built upon the foundation that has been laid and that doctrine concerning it. And so that's what Paul mentions here first, and then he adds everything else that followed, right? Okay, we see the similar thing uh, stated rather differently and uh, without any words about imitating Paul uh, at all, but uh, certainly that's the general teaching, the doctrine's the same. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 13, we read this. And Paul's writing about himself in his own ministry, right? According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Okay, that's uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He mentions the foundation here, right? And he says there's no other proper foundation other than Jesus Christ. And Paul is revealing who that Jesus is. So very, very clearly, right? So the point of it, and he makes this great analogy to communicate it well, the point of it is that buildings require proper foundations. Without that, you cannot build a building. Even if you use the best building materials, it would still fall down in rapid time, right, without a foundation. You've got to have a proper foundation. And uh, so Paul says much grace was shared with him, the grace of Christ. It was shared with him. 
and that enabled him to lay the proper foundation. And so uh, that's exactly the teaching here. It's very simple, really. But um, as as we read before, <laughs> all of that foundation laying that the Apostle Paul uh, was so powerfully engaged in, in his ministry, it led to what? Persecutions, afflictions, and so forth, right? For Paul himself. Um, <laughs> and that uh, brings us to another verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul writes this. He says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards of the mysteries of God. And uh, so again, the issue is, what are the mysteries of God? This is the sacred truth, right? Never revealed before, but finally revealed concerning the full dimensions of the uh, finished work of Christ. What did Christ accomplish in his uh, death for sinners and for sin, right? What did he accomplish and how successful was he in that? And uh, then we had, of course, his glorious resurrection underscoring his total success. He had accomplished the purpose of God, in other words. There wasn't anything uh, <laughs> that he could have done that he didn't do, right? It was all finished. And so that was revealed through Paul, and Paul now is revealing it uh, in his ministry, in his teaching, in his preaching, and that's providing the foundation for the building that needs to be built. He's uh, here writing to the Corinthians, uh, but um, similarly, as he wrote to, to Timothy later, right? Well, looking further, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, a little bit farther down the page, verses 14 through 17, he says this, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. <laughs> so Paul constantly reminded uh, all that uh, he was, um, he personally was, um, so connected to Christ that he could represent Christ and, and the work of God under grace. So he was imitating uh, Christ as he had come to know him. Now, there is an amazing statement. Charlie, I'd like you to read that for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, 
that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Okay, well, that's uh, much to contemplate, isn't it? <clears throat> so much more could be added about this. I kind of just want to leave you with those words, okay? Go back over and over again uh, to those words and consider what Paul writes there, okay? Especially verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, Know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. So uh, what Paul is saying there, and I, did, I didn't even see what he's saying for so many years, I feel so humbled considering it, but uh, finally came to see that what he was writing there really is that uh, Christ, according to the heavenly revelation, is, is uh, all, all that we need to know really today. I mean, when we read the Gospels, we're learning about the, the Messiah. You know, God sent forth his son, who was Israel's Messiah, with all the powers associated with Messiah, right? And uh, he proved himself to that nation and to some Gentiles, too, in the course of it. But he proved himself to that nation through signs, wonders, and miracles. And all of that was perfectly in accordance with the work of God, according to the coming kingdom program, right? And that's what he was preaching, was the kingdom, the kingdom of the heavens, right? That would come down on this earth uh, someday, right? And he was preparing the people for that day, in other words, for the second coming. But what Paul is doing is preparing a people really for uh, an upward calling. It's, it's a different message in many regards. It's the same person. Christ is the same person, but with a different uh, kind of ministry. Ministering grace and not law, not kingdom law, is certainly a big difference. Next time, Lord willing, we're going to get into that difference specifically so we see it clearly, what the ministry of the law required uh, as opposed to grace. Okay? Okay, so that finishes up our first point, which is that you've got to start with the right foundation, which is the... Uh, the proper doctrine, right? And the word rightly divided uh, gives us that truth. So it's so essential to uh, to follow um, after um, Paul in that regard. Okay, now the second point. Enduring the enemy's opposition means suffering as Paul did. Okay. To start with, uh, and we read it last time and didn't really comment that much on it, but Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Paul uh, wrote there, and I'm just not going to read it all, but he says, This shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Uh, is in the middle of what Paul is saying about his own suffering there imprisoned in Rome, right? 
And then he says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Even through Paul's death, Christ would be glorified. You see that? Um, it's hard for us, humanly speaking, to accept that kind of uh, statement. But this is the truth of God. And I'm just wondering, how many down through the years do you think were encouraged when they read these words, when they themselves faced a death of martyrdom? That has been the common lot of believers down through the centuries. We've lived in a, in a time whereby we've been spared from that, but missionaries haven't been spared. I mean, many of them have suffered persecution, even death, right? We over here are, uh, have been protected, and we're looking to our government to provide pr protections when ultimately the boldness that God expects of us may very well be expected to lead to great trial and suffering. And that's what we're going to look at next. But uh, suffering as Paul did, it should be expected, not not uh, a surprise. Okay. Um, so let's begin with this section in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I don't think there's any greater passage anywhere in Paul's letters uh, regarding this subject of how the Lord guides us and leads us into and supports us in living out the truth of grace and experiencing the consequence of that, which is persecution. Okay, so let's begin. Gail, would you please start us out? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon unto them. Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Gail. We look around, uh, we see the world as a dark and fallen place, and uh, so many are still bound by the blindness that the God of this world has uh, uh, place them under right and uh, yet paul says the gospel is not hid because i'm preaching it boldly right so it's not hid at all paul was a light in that darkness many did hear and many had their hearts cleansed of uh, guilt and shame and the glorious light of grace uh, overshadowed them so so be it. Uh, that's a great introduction of this chapter, isn't it? 
Let's continue. Uh, Anne, Anne uh, would you read, please, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7? For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Anne. Well, these verses are on a plaque out in our entryway because... Uh, Ed, you'll remember how that all happened so many, many years ago as your friends went off to Texas. But before they left, <laughs> they had brought um, a plaque to us that had these words written upon it. A beautiful script. Oh, yes. Um, the analogy here is so great. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What does that mean? Well, it means no one can see the light unless the vessel's broken. Well, we don't like to think of it like that. We like to think the the, the earthen vessel, this clay pot, uh, is perfectly painted and glazed and all this. It should be put on a shelf with lights on for all to see. But that's not the way God has ordained it. He's given us the treasure in earthen vessels. Okay, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So it's necessary for the earthen vessel, for the clay pot, as it were, to be broken, that the light may shine forth out of the darkness, as uh, verse 6 indicated. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, the analogy is a good one, and of course he also speaks of the creation there in uh, the early chapters of Genesis, right? Especially Genesis uh, chapter 1. <laughs> God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness when he created, right, has also commanded the light to shine out of our darkness and uh, his creative power is equally manifest there as in the creation of the universe. In fact, I would say the creative power in us is as great as that creative power was. Okay, so can you not help but think of Gideon, right? <laughs> Gideon, remember, they put the lights the torches under the clay pots and went forth and then broke them all at once and the light shone forth and God gave uh, the army the victory, right? So the question then is, are our clay vessels breaking in order to openly display God's abundant grace, are they? Well, if not, the time may come when they are. And I pray that we'd be well prepared for that. Okay, let's let's continue. And I'd like you to read these great verses, Second Corinthians chapter four, verses eight through twelve. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always, always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Thank you, Anne. So see, it all comes together. Paul is tying it all together here. The trials and sufferings, the persecutions, whatever they may have been that came to Paul, he saw them actually as the work of God to bring forth life even. Light, yes, and the light of life uh, in many. And God had chosen Paul for that purpose. Do we dare to consider ourselves to be in the same place that Paul was? I would challenge you to say yes to that. It could be a small voice, but yes, indeed, we're called. Remember, Paul was uh, the archetype of a, of a large a throng of those who would follow after. And here we are today, right? Oh, my. It's so precious. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Concluding then, the last verses, which um, summarize it all, and on such a glorious and positive note, <clears throat> um, Linda, would you please read for us Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, Verses 13 through 18. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and an eternal weight of glory, while we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Thank you, Linda. Well, as I said at the beginning, we'd mostly be blessed by the readings today, and my comments would be minimal. Yes, the readings. Oh, my. Paul ends this whole section on his sufferings with the glorious and positive statement of the opportunity that he had and that we also have if we would uh, follow Paul and imitate him as, as he imitates Christ, of course, uh, that we would have this hope actually being fulfilled, right? Hope is for that which is not seen, right? Where you, where you uh, cling to the promises of God, because that's what transforms our lives now in a heavenly way, right? And with his power, Right. And so what does Paul write here? But but simply all that 
trials that he experienced were for the glory of God. And for the glory of God, uh, practically speaking, because Paul was going to be the vehicle uh, for uh, bringing new life to so many. And that's how he ends these verses. Our, our cause, he said, we do not faint. In fact, I better start at the previous verse. All things are for your sakes. What are the all things? All of his trials, tribulations, everything uh, that was coming his way, right? Even his soon martyrdom, all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. Hmm. For which cause we faint not. Because, why? Because whatever the trials are, whatever their magnitude is, it's all going to redound to the glory of God, right? <laughs> For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So our hope is being fulfilled even in our present time and even as persecution grows and grows. So, uh, in fact, it makes the, the burden light. Verse 17, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. This light's just a preparation. This life is a preparation for future glory, right? Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How can you read the words and not be drawn into ministry, ministry of the grace of God towards others? Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Well, how important are these verses to us? Well, I can testify to you that for 50 years they have been very important to me and to us, speaking of Patty and myself in ministry. And they've often brought tears to our eyes as we consider Paul and then ourselves in the light of this teaching. Well, we live in days consumed by challenges we never had dreamed of that would ever come to us in this land of liberty. While we were not carefully watching, the enemy has come into the very tent itself and has taken control of much of it, right? Will the tree of liberty stand in this nation? Well, it will if believers stand. Right? I do believe that it is the church of the living God that makes the difference. Right? We see the enemy working to destroy the ministry of truth in every way that he can. He changes the meanings of words. He perverts the translations of the Bible. Uh, he he uh, causes many who know the truth to be silent. Right? Um, and uh, 
as a result, the truth of God seems limited, but uh, Paul says, even when he was in prison, the word of God is not bound. Will we take that to heart? I pray that we will. Lord, bless all of you. Lord, bless all of you. Any comments before we go to prayer today? A heavy teaching, but I hope it's been a blessing to you. Thank you, Father, for gathering us today and uh, blessing us so greatly. And uh, may we remember these words uh, as you write them upon our hearts. May they make the difference for each of us in the days to come. And we thank you in Christ's name and, and amen. Amen.